Värvet görs i samarbete med Acast. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Värvet sponsras av Sassiro Bonus och Sassiro Bonus Mastercard. Och det här är ett budskap som jag tänker kan vara bra för den som antingen gillar guldkant på till exempel tillvaron eller för den som gillar att slå två flugor i en smäll. Om jag tittar på vad jag gör av mig under en dag så är det typ 85% mat. Kanske tar jag en kaffe ute och relativt ofta undrar jag mig en lunch men framförallt så handlar jag middagskäk och det blir nästan alltid ungefär 327 kronor. Och jag är förvisso med i alla mataffärers kundklubbar så jag får väl något slags luddig poäng på mina köp men får jag poäng på allt överallt? Jag får ju inte det och det är dumt för visst. Eurobonus kan användas till resor, launcher och uppgraderingar men otroligt mycket mer som att bo på något av de 250 000 anslutna hotellen som finns att välja mellan. Perfekt om man vill ha en staycation med sin partner eller så. Få poäng på allt överallt och du börjar på sasurobonusmastercard.se sasurobonusmastercard.se Tack sasurobonus och sasurobonus mastercard. I have a very interesting, different, unique kind of fame because there's lots of people who have no idea who I am, which is great. I'm invisible to all the right people, from my point of view, the right people. Hello and welcome to Varvet International with me, Christopher Triumph. I'll be your host for the next uh, 40-something minutes. Yes, episode 24 is one of the shorter ones, but who cares? It's Bill Maher! Before we go into the interview, though, here's a tip from our sponsor. If you're in a city and need transportation, try Uber. I mean, Uber is the invention that makes taxi feel so ancient, Stone Age. 
I just uh, read that Uber has a great project also with the UN to get one million women jobs before 2020. That's so great. And if you are in Stockholm or in Gothenburg, new customers can try Uber for free by setting up an account and using the code VARVET. Et voilà! You get to Uber around for 150 Swedish kronor. The code again is VARVET. Thank you very much for sponsoring the show, Uber. Time to talk about, and very soon with... Comedian and TV host Bill Maher. His weekly show Real Time with Bill Maher has aired on HBO since 2003. And it's a political talk show where Maher and his guests discuss and joke about politics and current events. I visited show number 346 and I got to see a brilliantly funny Ariana Huffington on the panel and Sean Penn as a guest in the studio, among others. Mr. Marr will turn 60 next January and he's had a long, very good career in comedy and television. He's been in the business since the 70s. We'll mention that his father was sort of in the same business as well. He was a news announcer. And uh, Bill appeared as a stand-up on some talk shows uh, early in the 80s. And if you're using the Acast app, you can just click your screen now to see a clip from the early days. Mar has had uh, TV shows since the 90s. Back then, the show was called Politically Incorrect. He also did a movie a few years back, Religious, with uh, Larry Charles. And if you haven't heard it, I have an interview with Mr. Charles as well. It's called Varvet International, episode 13, and it's available in, well, where you uh, found the episode you're listening to right now. And the reason for me getting the interview with Bill Maher is that he's coming to Europe. And I'll tell you more about that after the talk with him. So, time for the interview with Bill Maher. Taped on the CBS lot in Hollywood, where the real-time show is aired from, sometime in March 2015. Roll the tape, please. Mr. Moore, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm very excited to be um, touring Europe and appreciate your helping me promote it. I'm happy to do that. And I'm uh, also honored that you would uh, fit me into your busy schedule. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm thrilled to be doing this. I've wanted to do it a long time. for a long time. I've been, frankly, afraid because it's uncharted territory for me. I've never played in countries where English is not the first language. I'm very appreciative that everybody speaks English because I sure couldn't do this in reverse. And uh, I think it's always important to try to push yourself outside of your comfort level and do things that do scare you. So this is what I'm doing to scare myself for 2015. Yeah, okay. Have you thought about how to sort of... I guess you'll have to alter your material. Oh, I've been working on it for months already. Not only have I been working on it, I've composed... I've gone through the material I want to do and then composed a list 
of many references that I should have brought it and had you help me. Would they understand, you know, if I said, uh, you know, did you call it a tissue or a Kleenex? Yeah, okay. You know, just yeah. very small details so that when I do my performance, everything is understood as clearly as possible. Do they know who Ariana Grande is? That we do, yeah. She, she works with a lot of Swedish producers. Right, okay. Yeah. And I think we're, we know what Kleenex is as well. Yeah, I just want, I know you know what it is. Yeah. I just want to know what is the word. Do you call it a tissue? Do you call it a Kleenex? See, Kleenex is actually a brand name. Yeah, I know. Whereas tissue, maybe that's the word that, that they is, would... Tissue is hard for me. I think of uh, like skin So you tissue. would say Kleenex instead of tissue Yeah. if I was referring to yeah, absolutely. what you blow your nose in. Okay, see, those are things I need to know. Yeah. But do you have... <laughs> Comedy's some... all about details. Yeah. Details. Of course. But do you have someone helping you with that? I have arranged, yes, a contact in... Amsterdam, Norway, and Sweden, the three countries I'm going to, uh, also London, but <laughs> I think I can take care of that one myself, to help me with this, yes. Yeah. That's great. I actually saw Louis C.K. perform in Sweden, and his, he had a brilliant set. It was a really stupid room, though, because it was too big. It was like a, an arena. Right. He did a fantastic set, but he did like one sexist joke. And that doesn't fly with Swedes because it's really we're really like politically correct. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I don't do anything that's sexist, but uh, political correctness. Of course, my first television show was called Politically Incorrect. Yes. I consider myself a proud liberal, but sometimes political correctness bleeds over into a form of madness. When you provoke people, it's oftentimes perhaps against America, sort of, of that course, you're criticizing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's going to fly in Sweden as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yes. First of all, I'm never trying to provoke. I'm always only trying to tell the truth as I see it. Sometimes people think that about me, that I'm a provocateur or that I'm a contrarian. I'm just saying something to get a rise out of people or be contrary. No, not at all. I just think so many people in this country have their head up their ass and need to be straightened out. And uh, somehow I've been doing it on television for 22 years. <laughs> And it works out fine, obviously. Certainly not with everybody. I'm certainly not liked everywhere. But I don't care, because talking, I don't have to go everywhere. Are you talking about Ben Affleck now? No, <laughs> no Ben Affleck's a great friend of mine. But uh, we can agree, I mean, we can agree to disagree on, on certain topics. I mean, conservatives in America are generally are in disagreement with most of the positions I hold. So the idea that I would speak before a group of conservatives... And sometimes you get an offer like that from a corporation and they offer money and you could do it, but why? Why put myself through it and them through it? I'd rather travel this country and now Europe and uh, perform for the people who pretty much feel the way I do about things because you're there to have a good time after all. You know, my main aim is to make people laugh and laugh hard and long. You can't do that if you're upset. No, no, of course. 
Can I just take it back from the beginning, sort of? First, I interviewed uh, Mr. Larry Charles for... Uh, sure. Might have been like two years ago or something like that. Well, you get around. I do, yeah. <laughs> do you mean that, like, sexually? No. No, because <laughs> no. I don't do that. <laughs> no. Not yet. But I'm open to suggestions. And I, but, <laughs> no, but you are about the same age, right? Yes. But you didn't know each other growing up because... We certainly didn't know each other growing up. That's not odd. What is odd is that before we made the movie Religious together, we had never met, and yet we knew all the same people and traveled in all the same circles. And it was like one of those situations where you enter a room just after someone leaves. That must have happened to us ten times. But luckily, we met at the right time and um, came together for something I'm still very proud of. We're still great friends. Uh, Larry and I went on vacation to Hawaii this year. Okay. Uh, over New Year's, yeah. All right. Good for you. But Yeah. Larry uh, wants to make Religious too, but I don't think it's going to happen. Okay. He's a very interesting guy. Very. Oh, my God. Not just interesting, but brave. I mean, the stunts that he pulled off with Sasha Baron Cohen in Borat, but even more Bruno amazingly brave. I don't think people realize, of course, that those were real. When Bruno gets in the ring in that cage match, that boxing match, whatever it was, that audience there really were throwing things at them. When they were provoking that terrorist in Jordan, he was a real terrorist. You know, these things could have gone horribly wrong. Larry is very brave. And Sasha Baron Cohen also, yes, of course. amazing. Yeah. But anyway, you grew up in the early 60s. What, which part of New York City? Well, actually, I grew up across the river in New Jersey. Okay. I was born in New York, and then like so many people of that era, they moved out to the suburbs. So I grew up uh, in, New York, in New Jersey. My father still worked in New York, so he commuted. But I had a very, I always say, leave it to beaver upbringing. Uh, I don't know if you ever seen that show, but we had a TV show here in the 50s and 60s called Leave It to Beaver. And it it represented that time in America when things were very innocent. And many of the reasons they were things were innocent is because we swept problems under the rug. There was no racism because people didn't care about black people. There was no talk about homosexuality because homosexuals just stayed in the closet. Women's rights were not on the agenda. We didn't talk about drugs because people just hid that. So it seemed on the surface that everything was very smooth in America. And if and it was, as long as you were a white male without a drug problem who was not attracted to other men. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> But if you had any sort of different element about you, you pretty much had to hide it. Your father was working in media. You, I guess you were middle class? or Oh, yes. Right middle. Not lower, certainly not upper. My parents grew up in the Depression, so my father still <laughs> thought the Depression was going on. Very, very tight, as we say here, with a dollar. But that's good. I, I'm glad I grew up that way. I'm glad I didn't have a lot when I was young, because then you appreciate it more when you're old. Yeah, and you do have a lot. <laughs> I certainly have enough. Yeah. It's not money, really, that makes one happy. I think they've studied this, that after a certain number, and the number is not that high, like 
$75,000 or maybe $100,000, any money you make after that only makes you marginally more happy. So the guy who has $5 billion, who is working himself into an early grave and is constantly stressed and is acting like an asshole in business to get that next billion dollars, it's just a pointless pursuit. And uh, I certainly know that in your country that resonates because there probably aren't anybody there with $5 billion. They would tax that away. Well, we do have a couple. But what is the highest tax rate in, in Sweden? I'm not sure. I've understood that it's all somewhere along the lines of the American thing, but you get you get it back for some reason, right? No, I mean, in our country, the highest tax rate is now 36%, I think. Or Say it's 50 in Sweden, then. 50? Perhaps. I'm, oh. I'm not sure. I should know this. Oh, I thought it was higher. Because in America, in the 1950s and 60s, the highest tax rate was 90 90, under Eisenhower, who was a Republican, which is the conservative president, 90%. Even under Nixon in the 70s, it was over 70%. This is when America had a thriving middle class. This is when income inequality was not nearly as wide as it is now. In many ways, you could defend this as the golden age of the American economy. It was after Reagan came in in 1980 that he slashed taxes for the rich. And I think the country has been worse for it ever since. Okay. Who's your favorite president, by the way? The first, George Washington. Okay. There would be no country without him. I guess that's why he's called the father of the country. Obviously, Lincoln was also a great president. America needed not one, but two revolutions. The second one, obviously, was to free the slaves and fulfill on the promise of the founding fathers who said all men were created equal. That was always, of course, a ridiculous <laughs> paradox that we would have that in our Constitution and then keep people slaves. Back to your growing up, what were your dreams growing up? My dream was to be a comedian. It was? Even when I was very young, I would say less than 10 years old, I knew I wanted to be a comedian. Now, I was a very shy child, so I never said this to anybody. I thought they would laugh at me. <laughs> not in a good way. <laughs> not like you would at a no. comedian. In a bad way like making fun of me. But that was always what I wanted to do. Even when I went off to college, I never took college courses that were aimed at getting me any kind of job. I didn't look at college the way most kids looked at college. I just looked at college as, oh, well, you know what? This is what you do at this point in your life, and it's good to get an education. And I got an education, and I'm glad I did. But the whole time I was there, all I was thinking was, I've got to get out there and start my comedy career. So I was lucky. I, I wasn't one of those kids who had to brood about, what am I going to do with my life? I knew what I was going to do with my life. There, and there was no backup plan. I mean, I did sell marijuana. Yeah, <laughs> to, to, to sort of finance your, oh, your studies. Absolutely. Yeah. Not only to get through college, 
but to to get through the first years of show business, of comedy. Are we because talking? You don't make money at it at first. Was it large quantities? Was it super legal? Or? It certainly was illegal. It's still mostly illegal, although you certainly can buy it now in Los Angeles and many other cities in America at dispensaries, they call them, because we have to pretend it's a medical use. <laughs> But in my era, wow, yes, I could have gone to jail for a long time. You, you couldn't be a, a drug dealer of any kind, including marijuana. Now, other drugs would have been looked at as even more serious. Cocaine would have been more serious, of course, uh, certainly LSD, those kind of drugs. But marijuana was serious. I didn't sell in giant quantities, but I probably bought from my dealer at the time, maybe one or two pounds, which is about 16 to 32 ounces. And then I would sell those ounces for a small profit. <laughs> And of course, take a little out of each ounce for, for my smoke. So you did get high on your own supply? I absolutely did. I know Biggie Small says, don't get high on your own supply. But that was one of the perks of being a dealer. You got to take a little bit of the, the pot out of each bag. We used to call it a head tax. <laughs> with someone as intelligent and successful as you, I, I mean, would <clears throat> it be possible for you to pursue a political career at some point? Absolutely not. Not in America. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> Maybe in some other country, but I am so far out of the mainstream. And all any politician would have to do to defeat me is to replay almost any show I've ever done over the last 22 years. There's something in every show, probably multiple things in every show, that are complete deal breakers. First of all, I'm an atheist. There's no such thing as an atheist in American politics. We don't have one in the Congress. Is that true? Absolutely, oh, which is 535 people. I didn't know. They have done surveys. America... This is surveys of American people, what they tell pollsters. They will elect a gay person before an atheist. And there was only one other type of person that was near the bottom of the list, and that was vegetarian. <laughs> they also don't veg trust vegetarians, but they still would elect a vegetarian before an atheist. They will elect someone who eats tofurkey before they elect someone who eats cock. Yes, that's... Yeah, so it's like homosexual and then vegetarian and then at the very bottom, very bottom, atheist. How does uh, uh, Muslim, is that on the list as well? That, <laughs> I don't remember where that was on the list, but that probably is in a tie with atheist at the very bottom. Yeah, yeah that, that's not going to happen either. Although, wait, wait, no, there are Muslims in Congress. I take that back. There are Muslims, so we have elected Muslims. Yes, Keith Ellison has been on our show a number of times. He's a congressman from Minnesota. So they, they will elect a Muslim, obviously, in certain liberal districts, not in many places, but not an atheist. It's, it's interesting the way the religions band together, and they will tell people, look, yes, I believe something completely different than this other person who believes in a completely different God, but the important thing is... We all believe in some kind of nonsense. And this atheist person doesn't believe in any kind of nonsense. He's a threat. If you would be able to, by the press of a button, erase 
religion from from the face of earth would yes, you do it absolutely i i don't think anything has been more dangerous or more destructive i think it's probably responsible for half the wars that we've had in history it certainly is responsible for most of the terrorism that we see now burning witches throwing acid in schoolgirls faces blowing up schools 911 you know i could i could go on and it is an awfully long list of horrible things that people have done in the name of religion now of course others will say yes but it gives people comfort well okay but there are other ways to get comfort unfortunately what religion does to society is irreparable yeah Louis CK has a really funny bit about being an atheist that it's a bold statement to do but I mean, he's not one a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Yes, ny sponsor. Värvet presenteras i samarbete med Svea Bank. Och jag menar inte att ta ner stämningen men dessvärre är ju lågkonjunkturen här vilket innebär att de flesta branscher har det tufft och också väldigt många privatpersoner. Jag vet själv vad det är att ha en trasslig privatekonomi. Det var struligt i många år för mig och låg ofta post i hallen med trista logotyper i ena hörnet och jag hade också i flera års tid ett helt gäng betalningsanmärkningar. Och tyvärr är det nog många som har det svårt att få ihop till räkningarna just nu som har hamnat i ekonomisk trubbel. Och det är här Svea Bank kan kliva in med något som kallas skuldfinansiering. Där löser de skulder hos inkasso och till kronofogden och till och med om kronofogden vill sälja ditt boende har Svea Bank möjlighet att hjälpa till. I den här tjänsten får du en personlig handläggare som gör en grundlig genomgång av din ekonomiska situation. De tar kontakt med dina kreditgivare och när ett lån beviljats löser de dina skuld. Åt dig och samlar dem i ett enda lån med en avbetalningsplan som din ekonomi klarar av. För om du har hamnat i klister, du är inte ensam och kanske kan det här hjälpa dig. På svea.com slash skuldfinans kan du läsa mer. Tack Sveabank! 
Well, he's an agnostic, right? I don't even know what the difference is. Agnostic is... Oh, I know. Uh, I, I just think that it's they're, they're picking nits, as we would say, nit, nitpicking, because an atheist and an agnostic... Who would no, win uh, in a fight? Both non-believers. I feel that the common perception is that an atheist is certain that there is no God. But I don't know any atheist who says that. Even Richard Dawkins. Richard Dawkins says, on a scale of one to seven, one being absolute certainty that there's a God and seven being absolute certainty there is not, he says, even I'm a 6.9. And I would agree with that. Atheism does not try to mirror the certitude of religion. Now, do I think it's likely that there is some sort of personal God? Of course not. But I preach the doctrine of I don't know. And I think that's what an agnostic says. So I'm not sure what the difference is. So you are an agnostic then? I think all atheists are. Okay. To okay, a degree. Cool. I, I don't think... <laughs> I think we're just arguing about words. Yeah. Can I say a few words, speaking of which, and you'll tell me what pops into mind? Sure. Fame. America. America is the country that worships fame. It didn't always used to be this way. Fame actually used to be something that was considered rather gauche by the uh, by the well-to-do. If people were clamoring to get a piece of you, if they were bothering you everywhere you went, if you had a lack of privacy, that was an indication that you were not doing well. <laughs> something was wrong in your life. Now we have an entire society where everyone wants to be famous and and they don't care at all about privacy. They consider privacy the the last thing on their list of, of what's important. I find it to be a particularly American disease. Your fame, has it? what do you feel about it? Has it gained you? Oh, of course. I mean, oh, but, <laughs> yes, even as I say that, of course, I have, been, have enjoyed the benefits of fame many, many times. But I have a very interesting, different, unique kind of fame because there's lots of people who have no idea who I am which is great. I'm invisible to all the right people, from my point of view, the right people. So if I walk down the street, most of the people, because I deal in, first of all, I deal in politics mostly, yeah. and most of Americans have no clue about politics. They don't even know who the politicians are, let alone the people who are making fun of them. So I can go most places, and yes, people uh, sometimes come up to me and ask for a picture. You know, it used to be an autograph, now it's a picture. I'll tell you this, my life did get a lot better when I learned how to say no to picture taking. Politely, you know, I always say to people, shake my hand, let's make eye contact, let's have a moment, let's live in the moment. But the pictures just, first of all, when when the crowd sees a picture being taken, then they all want a picture, even if they don't know who I am. <laughs> it's it's like a it's like the measles, it just spreads. So not taking pictures solves a lot of it. But again, as I say, I'm invisible to a lot of the kind of people I wouldn't want to know me in the first place. So I mostly only encounter in, in public fans. And my fans are, I think, smarter than the average bear. And they're not a they're not a burden at all. Your demographics is sort of Democrat as well, so so there's a huge chunk of the U.S. in the middle where you can go anonymously for weeks, or? 
I wouldn't say anonymously, but I but it's not a problem. Okay. I'm not like Michael Jackson walking through a mall in 1995, you know. We're not going to have to add extra security. It's nice, first of all, when you walk down the street and sometimes people shout at you, hey, Bill, love your show. Well, who doesn't want that? That's a nice affirmation in the day. Yeah. So I'm, what I'm saying is I'm very fortunate in that I think I have most of the good parts of fame without a lot of the bad parts. I know celebrities, plenty of celebrities, you mentioned Ben Affleck before, where the paparazzi camp outside their house 24 hours a day. As soon as they leave the driveway, they follow them wherever they go. Well, they don't do that with me. Mm. They don't really care who I go out with. You know, if I walk into a restaurant where the paparazzi are out front, yeah, they'll take pictures. So, you know, my girlfriend and I, we don't like to have our picture taken together because we don't trust those jackals. So we go in a different entrance. You have to take a few little precautions like that. But in general, no, I don't have a problem with the press because I deal, again, with politics and ideas. And in America, that's the last thing they could care about. Angst. I have it. I think we all have it to a degree. It's from the same root as the word anxiety. It's a particular disease, probably of the modern world. I see you're on, well, you're probably reading questions off that phone. But yeah, it's on flight mode. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but there are many people who you can't even have a conversation with anymore with and, and have their full attention because they're looking at their phone. And I guess in another week, we'll be, we'll be checking our iWatch. I think this is part of what causes angst in our modern world is that we have too many stimuli. I know that once a year, at the end of the year, I go on vacation and uh, I don't bring an iPad. And I leave the phone in the hotel room and I try to just be outside with nature, the beach, the ocean, my friends, drinks. And uh, every year as we're leaving, I say to myself, why aren't I doing this all year round? Why? Because I seem to be happier. If you would retire now, could you live off your bank account savings? Yes, if I never bought anything. Okay. <laughs> no, I probably could. I've, I've made some pretty good investments, I think. But that's not what keeps me going. It's because I say I'd be happier doing nothing, but I wouldn't be. It's just not my nature. I don't want the angst, but it comes with the territory. And I like being in the arena, and I don't want to retire. At some point, of course, everyone gets retired in television. You can't help that. Not in this country, anyway. They will put everybody out to pasture at some point, and they'll do it to me, too. But not yet. I mean, our uh, audience only gets bigger for some reason. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think it's because there's so few people who challenge the conventional wisdom in in this country. There are other people who talk politics and can even make you laugh, but they don't really ever upset the apple cart. They only say what their audience already wants to hear. And sometimes the audience wants to be challenged, even though they might boo at the time. Yeah. <laughs> You're not in it for for the likes. Yeah, not in it for the likes. That's what the poster says, yeah. 
narcotics. The reason I wrote it down is I'm curious, <clears throat> would you like to, I know that you are pro-legalization. Um, Correct. For marijuana, but would you like for to For all drugs. It? You are. Yeah, absolutely. All drugs should be legal. It should always be treated as a medical problem, which is what it is. This idea that we can legislate morality has been proven false over and over again. Obviously, we had an experiment with prohibiting liquor in America in the 1920s, a giant failure that spawned the mafia and organized crime, because people want to do what they want to do. And you can't stop that with a law. So, yes, every drug should be legal. And I think we're also learning that something like heroin, which we thought was addictive for everyone, is not addictive for everyone. Not that I'm suggesting you do heroin. but I've tried it. It sucked. Yeah, I tried it once too. Smoked it, not shot it. And no, I, didn't, I snorted. didn't get off on it. Oh, maybe I snorted it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I, I Now, of course, I know from other drugs, sometimes you have to do a drug two or three, four times before you get the right feeling. That that certainly was the case with marijuana. I didn't get high the first few times, and then the bell went off. But we had a guest on, Johan Hari. He's English, and he wrote a book recently and said, everything we know about addiction is, is mostly wrong. He said, when, when you're in a bad car accident and they take you to the hospital... They give you basically medical heroin. That's what opiates are. He said if everyone was that susceptible to becoming addicted to heroin, everyone in that situation would leave the hospital a heroin addict. And most people don't. No. And I'm not addicted today. Are you? No. To heroin. No, Portugal legalized all drugs. And it has been an enormous success. Okay. Interesting. I didn't know that. What do you know about Sweden, by the way? Not enough. I'm interested to learn more. That's one reason I want to go. I think I have the impression that it is a country that, unlike America, takes care of everybody, has a much more effective safety net, doesn't have the uh, every man for himself attitude. Obviously, it's a very modern country. They're obviously doing great things in music these days. Spotify is from Sweden. Yeah. That's not really been good for the music industry. <laughs> Ask Taylor Swift. Yeah. So I'm sympathetic to musicians because I'm friendly with many of them. But uh, I, I just feel like it's a it's a place that I hope I will fit in you, when I go there. By the way, you're wearing a, a corn T-shirt today. Is that ironic? <laughs> No. No. You're a fan? No, not at all. Okay. The reason I'm wearing that is because I have poison ivy. <laughs> and so I'm wearing a long sleeve t-shirt. And this is the only long sleeve t-shirt that I have. How do you get... Po because you have been doing It's, stuff in the garden or... No? It grows. You know, I have a yard. My dogs, you get it from the dog. The dog okay. runs through it. And then you pet the dog, and you only need to get the slightest bit, uh -huh, especially okay. if you... People are allergic in different levels to it. Some people don't get it at all. But as you can see, how ugly that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he says. Yeah, you, yeah, that is ugly. Uh, <laughs> well, and it's itchy, too. And you can spread it to other parts of your body. So I want to wear this long-sleeve T-shirt, and the only one I have is 
<laughs> from corn in 1999. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, not a fan then? <laughs> no, I don't think so. War. War. What is it good for? Absolutely, Absolutely nothing. <laughs> nothing. I remember what Obama said when he was running. He said, I'm not against all wars. I'm just against dumb wars. Look, sometimes you have to go to war. But I can't think of an instance where America had to go to war since World War II. Mm. That was the last time it was absolutely necessary. And it should be something that you only do when it's absolutely necessary. I am completely against this bombing campaign with ISIS, for example, and I have no love for ISIS, but ISIS is 20 to 30,000 fighters. There are 5 million soldiers in the armies of Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Egypt, Turkey, Iraq, Iran, United Arab Emirates. What I'm saying is they should take care of that problem themselves. It would be better for everyone. As long as America is in the middle of the civil war between the Muslims who want to live in the 7th century and the Muslims who would like to live in the 21st century, then they're not going to solve that problem because they will have a common enemy in America. America needs to get out of everybody's business. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> well, that's the kind of thing I'm telling you that one reason why lots of people don't like me in this country, because I don't hear anybody else saying that. Mm. Even the liberals, they're not that bright about it either. I had dinner with a bunch of them the other night, and they are absolutely scared shitless because of the ISIS videos. And yes, I will agree, ISIS does horrific, barbaric things. But they're doing it to arouse that reaction in us. And you can't, you can't conduct foreign policy based on emotional panic. And that's what they're doing. They know how to push our buttons. Mm. They're, ISIS is brilliant at public relations. But the answer is not America involved. The answer is let the Muslims fight amongst themselves. They need to have this civil war the way Europe had a civil war at, in the 16th century. You being so controversial, you, you must have had a lot of like death threats and so forth, or... We don't talk about that. You don't? <laughs> well, anyone who gets death threats, and I'm friends, for example, with Salman Rushdie, we all have been told the same thing. Michael Moore, another friend of mine who's yeah. had this problem. We all get told the same thing by the security people that we hire to protect us, which is the more you talk about it, the more you give people ideas. It's just better not to talk about it. But yes, of course I get death threats and i'm proud of them <laughs> but uh, uh, have you ever been afraid yes everyone is afraid of different things it's what you do about being afraid whether you cower or whether you stand up to it i think you have to lead your life under the banner of there are worse things than death and one of them is to live your life afraid i'd rather die standing than to fall on my knees Do you have a handgun at home? I do. But the reason I do is because I live in the gun country. But again, here's my position on guns. It's not what the liberal position on guns is. The Democratic Party's position on guns is, we love guns. 
We just don't love them quite as much as the conservatives. The Democrats want to outlaw maybe a hundred different kind of guns, assault weapons. Well, there's 3,000 other guns you can buy. I'm for getting rid of the Second Amendment. I don't want to live in the gun country. No. I don't want to have to have a gun. Mm. But as long as everybody else has a gun, I'm not going to unilaterally disarm. But yeah, I think it's crazy that we even have this Second Amendment. No other country has this. No. And it's not interpreted the way it was written. The thing was written in the 1800s when people had muskets. It was written at a time when we were just a new country and militias needed to have some some protection against a, a government returning to a monarchical state and taking them over. Well, that situation isn't prevalent anymore. It shouldn't be interpreted that that means that everybody can have a gun when they walk into a goddamn Starbucks, but that's how it's interpreted. And and unfortunately, that's not going to change in my lifetime. Will there be a woman president in your lifetime? If I was betting my own money, I would bet on that happening in their next election, because Hillary Clinton is definitely going to be the candidate that the Democrats nominate. And the Democratic candidate has a distinct advantage in presidential elections, the way our country is right now. This is one of the things I want to explain when I do my show in Europe. Would you like to recommend something, anything? I'm listening to the new Eminem album. I'd like to recommend that highly. Perfect. And there's a great song called Headlights. Go ahead. Who do you think I should interview on my podcast? I think you should aim high. Go for Obama. He certainly turned me down. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your hey, time, Hey, it was a sir. pleasure, man. Thank Real you. pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate the plug. Yes, that was Bill Maher. We'll see how it goes with President Obama. He hasn't returned my calls yet. I'm not sure why. Perhaps because I didn't call them yet. Bill Maher will turn up in Europe in May. He does four dates here. Amsterdam on the 20th, London on the 23rd, Stockholm on the 26th. See you there, by the way. And Oslo on the 27th. You will find links on billmar.com and you can buy tickets there as well. You'll figure it out. Thank you for listening. And thanks also to Christina jörling Biro for producing and Louisa Olsson for editing. Follow Varvet on Twitter and Instagram. It's called Varvet Pod there. Talk to you in two weeks. And uh, thank you also to Uber. Don't forget, if you are in Sweden, use the Varvet code. All right. Bye-bye.